When you look at great concepts, where are they investing? And they are investing in leadership development at the GM level. And I think that's one of the greatest, if, if somebody's growing, like when I think about my clients, where are they investing? And they're investing in their leadership pipeline because growth used to be constricted by supply chain. I think today growth is constricted by not a lack of leaders. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by Kathleen Wood. Look, move aside Madonna and Bono because we got a new rock star in town. <laughs> Kathleen has over 30 years of restaurant leadership experience. She was the co-founder and president of the Leadership Institute at the Elliott Group, then president and COO of Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, which unreal good chicken fingers and that Texas toast to die for. Uh, after that, she is also the founder of Susie's Swirl, a frozen dessert brand. But for the last 14 years, she has ran Kathleen Wood Partners, where she consults with CEOs and executives to identify and clarify their purpose to be better and make more money. Now, she is also, wow, let me take a breath there, also the author of such a fantastic book, Founderology, the ultimate guide, the ultimate employee guide to succeed with any boss in any workplace which I have read. Phenomenal book. Awesome. Kathleen, my question is, how do you have time to do all of this? My goodness. You know, Zach, first, I just want to say thank you for that amazing introduction. And thank you for welcoming me into Ovation Nation. I'm so excited to be here today. And like you, I think a lot of what we do is we find the energy when we have a passion for what we do. And I have been so fortunate in my career to work with amazing leaders, amazing founders, and amazing people trying to build great brands to do great things, not only for their team members, but also for their communities and our industry. So it is, uh, it, it energizes me every day to be able to get up and do what I want to you know, do what I love to do and do it with people that I love to work with. That's awesome. And, and Kathleen and I actually met, we met at a conference. I can't remember which one, we go to so many, but we met at a conference and I was so impressed hearing you speak up there uh, that we got connected and so glad we were finally able to to get you on the show. So first of all, talk to us a little bit about Kathleen Wood Partners. Like wh- what types of CEOs and executives do you work with um, in what industries and, and why do they specifically hire you? Right. Well, Kathleen Wood Partners is really a growth strategy firm. And we work with small to medium-sized businesses in the food service, hospitality, service, retail areas really to help founders and executives accelerate their growth. And we do that by really developing practical strategic plans, looking at ways to optimize their business, looking at ways to make their brand very competitive. And then of course, tying it all up with a leadership and culture plan that allows them to really transform their vision into a reality. And you you have worked with so many different founders and leaders Talk to me a little bit about why did you decide to write Founderology? Because it's such a good book. And and as a founder, I was looking in there and I was like, oh, boy, I totally do that. Oh, boy, I totally do. Oh, man, my partner does that. You know, like there were so many relatable things in there. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk to me about about, uh, about why you wrote that book and who uh, and, and really like 
Who's it for? Right. Well, you know, many people at Susie Swirl and even some of my clients that I work for would probably tell you that Founderology is an autobiography of myself as much as it would be to, <laughs> a tool to help others. But, you know, during uh, during COVID, I really started to think about the fact that I've had this amazing opportunity to work with founders when their business has been, you know, small to medium size. And today, some of them are multi-million, some of them are billion dollar brands. And one of the things I found in working with those amazing founders was that as much as I was spending time with them, you know, collaborating and consulting on growth strategies, I was spending as much time with their teams, helping their teams to understand the amazing opportunity they had to work with such a visionary or to work with someone who could see something that no one else could see. So as I was in, as we were going through COVID, I started to think about what if I just started, you know, putting down on paper some of those coaching ideas and techniques and tips that I've shared with so many teams so that they could learn how to embrace the journey working with that founder, thrive in that journey, and in fact, find potentially their own genius in the journey of working with founders and in founder-led organizations. So I really wrote it to help the, the, the team members understand that, look, you know, don't be frustrated. Don't get consumed by, you know, not understanding maybe lean into that founder, understanding that founder's mindset. And in fact, you'll grow your mindset as well. Um, so the book's been very well received by people. I get calls all the time. Did you write this about my boss? I'm like, no, no, I didn't. I didn't. But uh, 20 years of working with a lot of people, you can identify some patterns and some behaviors that you know are universal to a lot of passionate, visionary-driven people. Yeah, and that's ex- I think that's exactly right because really what it felt like you did was you took the archetype of a of a founder and you said, "Okay, here's Mr. and Mrs. Founder. They are this type of person, a little bit scattered, very passionate, you know, they they live in the moment. Now, all great things to run a company, sometimes very tough to deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? Cool when you see them at a trade show, like fun to have a dinner with them, exhausting to work with them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, it's such a great capture, Zach. So thank you for that. But that really was my purpose was, you know, how do you write a practical book that says, look, I understand your situation and here's the mindset that they're coming from, but here are things that you can do to take control of the situation. And here's some things that maybe you could start doing. And then here's some things maybe you should stop doing because Sometimes inadvertently that that high energy team member doesn't quite realize that they're pouring, you know, kerosene onto the fire too. And then they're like, Whoa, why did that happen to me? Yes. So. so if you're an employee of a founder, get founderology. If you're a founder, read it and don't use it as an excuse to act that way. Don't give it to your people to say, hey, you need to deal with me better, but use it as a way to be like, yeah, I need to work on that. Right. Because a lot of times as a founder, you don't even see that you're doing these things because you're just so passionate about fixing something or in the moment and you you kind of forget some of the collateral damage. So it's a great, it's an eye-opener uh, for every founder. Highly recommend reading that. Well, thank you so much for that, Zach. And you know, in today's workplace, when everyone's working so hard and stretched so thin, that I really see founderology as being, to your point, that tool that could probably bring a little bit more harmony, a lot less drama and have everybody work more productively in, in the environments that they're faced with. You know, the challenges shouldn't be always internal when we have a lot of external challenges ahead of us as well. Absolutely. Now, uh, one of the things that it was is really interesting as I look at your history and I look at your how much you've done to help leaders in the restaurant space, 
you know, uh, listening to this are going to be a lot of restaurant owners, um, a lot of C-suite of restaurant brands. How should they think on training their managers? Because when you look at the GMs in a restaurant, that is really where the rubber meets the road, right? That's the final, so to speak, flip of the burger. That is the expo station when it comes to guest experience. Um, what do you think that, what, what are some important attributes to remember and train on when, when looking at GM specifically? Well, you know, it's such a great point that you bring that up because part of my practice is leadership development. And one of the things I passionately believe about is that we have a leadership void in the restaurant industry. Mm. And this is from years and years of the industry needing to, you know, I'm going to speak in generalities, but in the industry, you know, needing to cut back on expenses to become more efficient, to become more effective. And as we've been doing that, you know, when I think about TGI Fridays 20 years ago, their management training program was 18 weeks of training and then 18 more weeks of mentorship. So almost half the year before you were given the opportunity to really run a restaurant. And now, you know, when you look at our industry today, it's kind of like, well, here, here's two weeks and we're going to cut that to two days and okay, two hours, just get in there. So I think uh, one of the, one of the greatest opportunities we have is um, our growth and the growth of great concepts sitting in those GM. And it's not about teaching them how to be a great shift person. It's about teaching them how to be a great leader of your business and, and investing the time and the money and the energy to make sure that they can you know, be the leader you want them to be. What do you think, if you were to boil it down to kind of some of the most important attributes to have as a leader, as, as a GM, what, what are those? I think for, when I think about a GM today, there's a couple of things that they definitely need. One is they have to go back and focus in on interpersonal skills. They're working with a far more diverse workforce than ever before. So one channel of communication just is not going to cut. it. I think the second thing that GMs really need to learn is how to plan. They're in such a firefighting mode. And I think when we help managers, you know, plan a week ahead, even a week, the, the amazing efficiency and effectiveness that occurs is phenomenal. And then I think the third thing is, is that we have to recognize that the GM is also dealing with a lot as well. So we as leaders need to balance how much we're asking them to do with the resources they have. So I also think it's looking at things like how can we use technology? How can we systematize? How do we make that GM's, you know, opportunity, uh, GM's role easier so that they have more time to work with their team members and also to work with the customer base too? Yeah, we hear that all the time. We just released a product uh, to, to focus on that because one of the complaints that people had about Ovation was like, well, hey, the problem is I don't want my GM looking through every single piece of feedback and every single review to try to figure things out. So we created a tool that pulls that all together and shows them exactly what's going well and what isn't. And the whole concept was get them out of the back of the office, right? Get them out of the back office, bring them to the front of house, let them work more with people and be, be a, a, a leader from the side because those GMs that are in the pits with their troops, going at it, filling in at the register, taking those those uh, calls when the when the you know phones ringing and people are all busy, do dropping the fries like those are the GMs that get so much respect because the the position of a GM is not a lead from the front 
you know, it's not a, you do this, you do this, this, right. Um, There's a time and a place for that. And it's, it's up another level when you get to like that district manager, when you get to the corporate, but the GM, it's still a lead from the side kind of thing. And so that's why we developed this tool to get to your point. Let's get them out of the back, put them in the front, put them in touch with the people and, and their employees. Right. Because the number one role of the GM is to work with people, right? Whether it be their team, whether it be their customers. And I think when I look at a GM today, like when you think about it, Zach, the customer has, from my late latest count, 12 to 14 different ways to to have a service experience in a restaurant right now, Uh you know, between the physical part of it, the online part of it and everything in between. So we're asking that GM to, you know, it's not just come to the counter or come to the door anymore or come to the table. It's like they're coming at you from all different angles, right? Uh And we're asking that GM, hey, we want you to juggle all of that and keep clean restaurant and be fully staffed and, and, and. So at a certain point, there has to be, how do we provide the GM with relief, right? Through better training, better development, but also by looking to your point at our systems to better support them and to make their job less complicated. And I think what you're doing at Ovation is spot on. No, well, thank you, Kathleen. I feel like- I just don't say that. I really do mean that. <laughs> well, I think one, one of the things that we look at and, and we've talked about on the show before is this whole concept of you got to Tony Stark your employees, right? Mm-hmm. Use technology not to replace your employees, but to make them more effective at the things that people need to do, right? It's like th- that's, uh, you know, there's there's technology that's in the back that you can use to automate things. So that way you could send an employee to the front and you know, do more table touches, talk to people, engage with them, clear the table, clean the restaurant. Those are things that I was talking to. Uh, we, we had McDonald's on the show, and with all the screens that they have in the front, what they're doing is not reducing their employees. They're sending them to the other side of the counter. They're cleaning up the restaurant more. So they're not just getting net net loss employees. They're trying to do net net better guest experience. And, and if McDonald's is thinking about creating a more clean, better guest experience, shouldn't we, right? Oh, my. Absolutely. You know, I love your idea, Tony Starking it. I love that idea. I've been calling it digital hospitality, right? How do we find the Rubik's Cube of the physical guest experience with the digital guest experience uh, and bring yeah. it together to deliver, you know, that digital hospitality? So to your point. How do we, if we use it correctly and we build it correctly, you know, I think it's exactly what McDonald's is doing. You can redeploy those employees into other areas to improve the overall guest experience. And by the way, the employee experience too, because they're not under that continuous nonstop stress of it all. So let's, let's talk about that guest experience. What do you think, Kathleen, is one of the most important aspects of guest experience nowadays? You know, I'm going to go back to something that you have in that amazing ebook on your website that's called Off-Premise Restaurants. And I hope everyone downloads that. I know I'm giving it out to my clients too. Oh, it Um, is free. Go please download it. Go download it. Well, one of the things that tip number six was you have to do a root cause analysis. So what I really believe, and this is one of the things that I work with my clients on too, is we're going back and we're looking at what that breaking down what that guest experience is. Because when you think about it from 12 different ways to have an experience in one building, you've got to take, everyone's got to take a step back. One of the things I coach people on is take a step back and let's start by looking at that guest experience. 
because as we continue to add on more ways for the guests to have an experience, I don't think a lot of people have gone back and said, okay, what does that mean to my operations? How can I systematize that? And how do I need to change my training so that my, my team members, my managers aren't ad-libbing you know, how to do where online orders should go and where pickups should go and where this should go. Like take a breath, take a step back and systematize your guest experience, your guest journey to accommodate those experiences. Because I think there's so much overlap in there that you could probably make it a lot more efficient and effective and easier on the entire team by doing it. And I love your your point around how the GMs, it's coming at them from all angles. And it's coming at all of us from all angles, right? Right. Before, I mean, even, even back when uh, when we started Ovation, it was like all around, who do you work with? Well, restaurants with a front door, right? Because it was, it was a funny phrase because what restaurants don't have a front door? And here we are, thousands of restaurants don't have a front door, Right. And and that's the whole concept is everything is changing so much, but we have to be able to be nimble enough to meet the guest where they're at. Right. And, and as they're changing, as they're evolving, as their, you know, their habits are changing, we need to work with that. We need to grow with them. And, uh, and now it's a matter of how do we make sure that no matter how they order any of those 12 ways that they can connect with us, they need to still feel that they matter that they care. And it's bizarre when you see a restaurant where when a guest dines in, they walk up to them. How was everything? Let me make that. Let me clear your table. Da, da, da. And if you order online, it's like chop liver. It's like, I'm not who they don't even like reach out to them. And so it's important that if you, if you have certain brand standards and if you have a certain voice and a certain expectation that you're setting, you need to meet the guest across all the different channels and all the different touch points and be the same company, no matter where that guest is coming from. Oh my gosh. 1000% agree with you, Zach. And I think that's why it's important for, you know, for leaders to take this step back and look at that guest experience and really say, how are we delivering it in this? How are we delivering digital hospitality and how are we systematizing that? So that our team members can deliver it to those expectations so that we can use a a system like Ovation, which I love because there's metrics, there's ways to help unhappy customers, there's ways to engage customers, there's ways to figure out what your root cause is to fix the system. And I think that's where leaders have to be looking at is like, it's not let's give them, let's give the customer one more way to order from us, but let's not let our, and then let's let our team members figure it out at the, uh, at the frontline level. Love that. And that digital hospitality, that is so, I I love that just makes so much sense. And, and that's that perfect intersection of where we need to be. Now, what are some successful tactics that you've seen or tried lately? So a couple of things that I think have been really, really important. You know, everyone's talking about price, 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 the price of everything. You can't turn anything on. You know, you start the day with the news and it's like the price of this, the price of this, the price of this. I think people all understand that the price of everything's going up. So one of the tactics that I think is super important right now is not to succumb to just raising prices. I think one of the tactics that I've been working on is why don't we look at other ways to keep our margins and to keep our bottom line without always having to be a price increase. So let's look at things like packaging, portioning, product specs, you know, preparation styles. How much does, you know, where, where's the, uh, how do we promote that? 
you know, let's look at a few other things before we just default to price. Because at a certain point, the customer is going to say the price value equation is off. So I think one is, you know, looking at all other aspects of that equation before the only answer is price. That's first. The second thing I think about is, you know, you have to keep that price value equation in balance. So it also comes to what's our service equation that goes with that. Mm. And I think that two areas that I focus the heaviest with, with everyone I work with is, you know, I think the guests will be okay on a few things, but the two things they are just not moving on and they haven't moved on in the last several years is order accuracy and timeliness of when that order is coming. And they can get past cold food. They can get past, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe it's the packaging is different. They can get past a lot of things, but they, so that has to become a non-negotiable of your business, because if you can get those two things right, the guest will give you a lot of credit. When you get those two things wrong, the guest is uh, in today's day is pretty brutal about it. Well, and that's Uh, one of the great things about, uh, you know, about raising canes is that, because it's a it's a very simple menu, right? Very limited in SKUs. You're like, great. It, it's it's a lot easier to get it right. And and the thing is, you get it consistently right, right? There, there are other places, uh, you know, shall not be named, but I I talk about them in my non-recorded talks where I go in there to get chicken, and it's inconsistent every single time. Not just not just the accuracy of the actual menu or, or the, the order, but the consistency of the quality is mm. different. And, and when you have that lack of consistency, that, you know, that plays into that. To me, that's part of the accuracy because I'm going in there with a certain expectation and I'm ordering a certain meal because I want a certain experience and it doesn't need to be five stars. I don't need you to lay out and, and, and wipe my mouth for me, but I do need it to be similar to how it was last time I ordered it. I totally agree with you. And even like a Raising Cane's, which does have a simple menu, but is wildly customizable because it's like no sauce, extra fries, yeah. extra toast, extra That's this, true. extra, you know, <laughs> kill the coleslaw, you know, all of those things, right? But they have systematized it. So every order is looked at before it goes through the window. I could say the same thing about Chick-fil-A. They've systematized it. So every order goes through the wind, you know, look gets looked at before it goes through the window or over the counter. And I will say that of, of QSRs, Chick-fil-A is about 10% higher than the next large QSR in terms of order accuracy. It's unreal. Right. They have just nailed it. And think about this. They're doing what they're averaging at volume is north of 4 million. And that's on a six day work week. And they are dealing with the exact same workforce. Everybody else has you know, and they're doing it. And I really do think it's a reflection of Chick-fil-A investing in their GMs, investing in their training and investing in their systems to deliver that great guest experience. And everyone says, well, I'm not Chick-fil-A. I don't have all that money. Well, you know what? There's small businesses that are doing this every day because, and they're winning because if your competitors are, or are all mediocre or poor, you can get in there and win with order with order accuracy and timeliness of the order being ready. Love that. Uh, and anything else that you'd say in terms of tactics that you've seen? Yeah. One more other tactic I think is I think that customers are really looking for concepts with stories, concepts of whether it be stories that they could connect with. 
they're getting bombarded with so much, you know, uh, it's tough, it's difficult, it's challenging. Right. But there are amazing stories in our, especially in our industry, stories of founders, stories of products, stories of customers that are doing well, stories of, you know, concepts that are giving back to their communities. And I think one of the things that's happened over the last couple of years is we've all been super busy. We've all been stretched. And in the process of that, we've kind of, you know, I think sometimes we've forgotten a little bit about what makes us special. And I think when we can get out there and, you know, it's not bragging, but when we could tell the story of why our burger uh, tastes so great and why our shake is so special and why our dessert is so special, I think it inspires the customer to become that brand ambassador for us. I love that concept of the stories because it's so true. You want to see that. You want to, to feel like this is more than just a meal. And actually one of our, one of our customers, seven brothers, um, it's, it's a great burger shop that's, you know, founded in Hawaii, but like you go in there and you see the story, you see the pictures of the founders, you see the brothers that are there and like you, you become connected and yes, you you can't replace quality of food with, with the story. But what you're saying is that's, that's a secret sauce that really adds a lot of flavor to the experience is that is that story love love that that, zach because look what do people crave connection Uh, so i want to connect and 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 i'd also think this i think a lot of consumers want small and medium sized and even large brands to be successful so we've got to we just can't hope that they understand everything about us you know they're getting bombarded too we have to cut above all the sea of sameness and be proud of who we are and the story that we're telling and and let those customers connect with us in more meaningful ways and i think that's where what you're doing with ovation again is giving people a tool where they can connect at that level and i think it's very powerful well who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry today kathleen all right well i'm going to be i'm going to be completely transparent these are two of my clients but i think that they are doing an amazing job kind of creating their digital hospitality and I'm going to give a big shout out for Bengal Bowls out in Long Island, New York. And I'm also going to give a big shout out to Taproom. Uh, these are two amazing brands that are going to be doing big things in the years to come. But they are really thinking and strategically planning for that balance of the digital hospitality world we live in. Yeah, great, great brands. Um, now, Kathleen, how do people find and follow you? All right. Well, thanks for that, Zach. And they can find me at uh, my website, kwoodpartners.com. And they can also find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Just look for Kwood Partners or KWP Strategy, and you'll find me there. Awesome. Well, Kathleen, for being such a force for good and being a leader for leadership, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Given Ovation. Well, Zach, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And thank you to you and your team for everything you're doing every day to remind us that we all have reasons for ovation. So thank you. Thank you. Glad you're with us today. And thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.